So here we are, we're in session number, does anyone know what number we're in? 11, wow. And we're working our way through the book of Psalms. We've entitled the series, Where to Turn, Psalms That Light the Way. And this morning, you can tell we've entitled the message, Where to Turn to Avoid a Spiritual Slip. Now all of us have had humorous slip-up moments. I've had so many, it doesn't even... It's like, how do I choose, you know, what to tell you? Uh, there was a time I was golfing and finished nine holes and, you know, ready to go on the back nine. And I just had to use the restroom bad. And I ran into the clubhouse and ran into the bathroom. And I'm kind of doing my thing and I'm like, wow, this bathroom, it smells so good. It looks so nice. And I, I come out of the stall and that was the first clue, right? I was in a stall. And I come out, and there's this line of women in silence staring at me. I hate it when that happens. I wish I could say that's the only time that's, that's happened to me, but that's happened so many times. And Tracy's like, Mark, you're just ADD and focused. And I mean, it's happened. I could tell you stories on that. And I'm sure women all over the United States could tell the story as well. But this morning, we're not going to tell you how to avoid the wrong bathroom, Okay. But we are going to teach on how do you avoid a spiritual slip-up. Now, there's not a person in this room who at some point in their life has not drifted or slipped away, watch this, in their walk with God. Webster says to slip is to lose one's foothold. And to slip spiritually is to lose your spiritual foothold. Uh, to lose your grip with the Lord and you begin to drift or fall away from God. David slip. Remember, he fell away. Remember Bathsheba? Uh, Jonah slipped. Remember, he was supposed to go to Nineveh, but he went in the opposite direction to Tarshish. Uh, you look at Peter. He slipped away from God. Remember, I'll never deny you, Lord. <laughs> and then the rooster begins to crow. Perhaps this morning, you're on the spiritual rebound. Maybe you're returning back to the Lord. After a period of time, you've been away. And, and the Lord is just welcoming you with open arms. My point this morning is not to talk about how to return to God, as important as that is, but it's really how to avoid a spiritual slip in the first place. How can we prevent slipping away from God right at the beginning so it doesn't even happen? Where do you turn to avoid a spiritual slip? How can you prevent that from occurring? So, turn to Psalm 73. This is a great psalm to turn to. And notice, a psalm of Asaph. So, it's written by Asaph. Now, we don't know a lot about Asaph. We know that he was a Levite. He was a choir leader. He wrote 11 out of the 150 psalms. But there's one thing in particular we learn about Asaph from Psalm 73. And it's this. As a believer... He came very close to slipping away from God. I'm sure you know many people that you, you thought claimed to be believers, but where are they? I mean, they've just slipped away. They're, they're, they're so distant from God. And there's a story there. And you're like, where are they? They used to be a part of this ministry. I used to see them. They came to this church or, or, or your church if you're watching on video at another church. And you know someone and it's like, where are they now? And Asaph, he came very close. 
to slipping away. And he reveals in this psalm the drama of how all of this unfolded and how he avoided such a slip. So this morning, I want us to see how we as believers can avoid falling away from God. And this morning, I want us to in particular see three kind of movements or principles and they build on each other for this grand conclusion in answer to the question of how to avoid a spiritual slip. So three principles. And the first thought I want you to catch is this. We as believers, we agree with the assertion that God is good to those who follow Him. I don't think you would be here if you didn't believe God is good. Now watch this. At the core, if you really drill down and you talk to people why they do not walk with God, it is always this. There's a story, but then it comes down ultimately to, I don't believe God is good. That's ultimately, you talk to any atheist, I don't believe in God because I don't believe He's good. Or any backslider, it always comes down to this. But but notice, Asaph begins by asserting a truth that everyone in this room holds dear. He says, surely God is good to Israel. To those who are pure in heart. Yes, God of course is good to Israel. And God in His nature is good. It's one of His attributes. And God is good, I believe you believe, to those who are pure in heart. I mean, do you believe that God is good and He's good to those who follow Him? I believe you would answer yes, I I believe that. You wouldn't be here if you didn't agree with that theologically. If you did not think God is good, you wouldn't be here. You wouldn't follow God. One of our most cherished convictions as believers is that God is good. And especially is God good to those who follow Him. To those who actually would live a pure in heart life. It's better to be a follower of God than not. We believe that. Now we may not understand everything that happens to us. But we're confident deep down that God is good. I remember as a kid, we would pray this prayer. Did you guys ever pray it around the dinner table? God is great. God is good. Let, him th- let us thank Him for this what? Food. So you prayed that. I mean, we kind of learn this as kids. God is great. God is good. We believe that. Now, even though we as believers intellectually believe that, and I believe you do, that conviction about God's goodness can become challenged. And when it becomes challenged, wow, you're going to go one way or another. Here's a second thought that I want us to consider. There are times though, even though we believe God is good, we can get tempted because this world ultimately has a devil. And that devil has millions of demons. And those demons are masters at tempting. And temptation comes from the world, it comes from the flesh, and it comes from a spiritual enemy known as the devil and demons. And they can do all sorts of things to get us to question God's goodness. To where we can come close to slipping away and falling away from God. And isn't this the case? There are moments, think about your life. I know this is true because it's true of me and every believer. When we put two and two together in real life, okay, and we say, God, are you really good to me? Look what's going on. 
I'm not sure following you is really worth it. It's in these moments that we come dangerously close to slipping away from God. And, and Asaph is just being so real with us. This is why we love the Psalms, because they're like us. It's like if we could write you know, this amazing poetry and include theology, we would write something like this. I'll tell you, if there's anyone that slipped away from God, they could write this psalm. But the good thing about Asaph is we see how he came through it. And he didn't quite fall off the edge. And notice verse 2. He talks about how he came close to the precipice. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. Now, we don't know the story yet. We're going to hear that in a second. But he's just being honest. He's like, man, I almost slipped away from God. I almost lost my foothold and boom, that was it. And then what he does in these following verses is he gives us the two reasons why uh, we can become vulnerable, get tempted, and question God's goodness and, and come near slipping away from following God. And this is always the path that people take when they fall away from God. You know somebody who's not here? Someone who used to be, they said they were Christian, and now they're not following the Lord? This is what they succumb to. They were tempted, they bought the lie, and, and they're living in that lie and deception right now. And we have to be careful not to buy the lie because the lie is being projected on us all the time. So here's the first reason. It's this, the prosperity of the ungodly can tempt us to doubt God's goodness and slip away from following God. It's uh, easy for us as followers of God to at times look at what we have, which is little, and then we look at what a person has who doesn't even know God, who rejects God, and you look at what they have, and it's much. And we say, God, are you really good to me? Really? Look at how good they have it. And, and, the, and the comparison game is starting to volley back and forth. And you're in the midst of it. And you're just comparing your life, trying to live for God, and with someone else, they don't care about God, but look how good they have it. And this is what Asaph is dealing with. Notice his struggle, verse 2. But as for me, I almost slipped. I almost lost my foothold. Why? For I envied the arrogance when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. He's saying, I saw with my own eyes wicked people and how prosperous they were. Look at my neighbor, man. The dude's driving a Porsche. He's got all the women, he's not married, different woman over at her house every night. I mean, you know, just kind of I'm spinning and what this guy could have ASAP be seeing. You see something different all the time. You see unbelievers around you, prospering. And he goes on, verse 4. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. I mean, look at the guy's abs. <laughs> he has no struggles. This guy doesn't have any problems. And he just mocks God. They're physically healthy, this ungodly. Look at verse 5. They are free from common human burdens. I have all these common burdens. This guy doesn't have any. They're not plagued by human ills. I get sick. He never gets sick. The ungodly, they're burden free. And look at me. I'm following God. Look at them. It's the comparison thing. And we're buying into it, or we can be lured into it. Verse 6, therefore pride is their necklace. 
they clothed themselves with violence. From their callous hearts, I mean, these guys don't have soft hearts toward God, but from this wicked heart comes iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limits. I mean, the ungodly, this guy dresses up in pride and violence and sin, and they live out their sinful imaginations, and they seem to get away with it. And you see this with coworkers, don't you? Some of you have been in the same office for 10, 20, 30 years. You're seeking to be honest and upright, but they're cheating and lying and stealing. They're getting away with it. They're the ones getting the promotion. You're being passed up because you're honest. They're the ones getting the raise. And the enemy is constantly trying to get you, watch this, to doubt the goodness of God. Because if he can get you to doubt God is good, he will begin to move you. And di- Who wants to worship a God that's not good? The enemy knows that. He will do everything he can to get you to believe God is not good. You look at verse 8 and 9. He's again describing his neighbor that doesn't know God. They scoff and speak with malice. With arrogance, they threaten oppression. Verse 9, their mouths lay claim to heaven and their tongues take possession of the earth. He's saying this, this ungodly person is forceful in their speech and arrogant in their attitude, and it just seems to benefit them. And then verse 10, therefore their people, their people, other ungodly people, turn to them and drink up water in abundance. It's like they excel in popularity. Everyone wants to talk to them. They're flocking to them. No one wants to even talk to me because I live for God, and that's not as popular in my environment. Verse 11, they say, how would God know? Does the Most High know anything? They mock God. They spit on God. They take the name of Jesus in vain. And you see, Asaph is just, he's in the comparison moment. And then verse 12, this is what the wicked are like, always carefree. They go on amassing wealth. It's like they live this carefree life. They just Their portfolio continues to grow and grow. They invest in the stock market. It's always up. I tried. It's down. You know, I mean, <laughs> this is what he is seeing with his own eyes, and you've been there. And, and I love, you know, um, one commentator says this, Asaph knows that God is good and that God honors the pure in heart, Asaph, however, is tormented because he sees that ungodly people seem to do much better than he himself, even though he's devoted to God. This conflict bothered him so terribly that he almost slipped off the foundation of his faith. Now, almost slipped off the foundation of his faith. Almost. I know people who have slipped off. A dear friend of mine named Jim, we went uh, undergraduate school together, both studied into the ministry together, both became youth pastors, I'd speak at his youth group, he'd speak at mine, we vacationed together, he was in my wedding, and then all of a sudden I find out he's left the ministry, and I'm like, what is going on? Finally, I track him down after six months, and I go, Jim, what is going on? He's like, Mark. He goes, I don't believe in God anymore. He's like, I look at all my friends, how much money they have. He said this, quote, ministry is hell. 
I look at what my friends have. I want the world. I want what they have. Wow. He began to question the goodness of God based on his circumstances. And the enemy just lured him in, and now he has left. God, last thing I heard, he's selling water heaters. You know, it, it's not just Jim. I believe you know someone. Even in the New Testament, you look at the Apostle Paul, he talked about Demas, 2 Timothy 4.10. For Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me. Would you underline in your notes? Has deserted me. People desert God. They desert Christians. They desert churches. And ultimately, if you trace it, <clears throat> it comes down to doubting the goodness of God because you're playing the comparison game. Ultimately, God, you're not good because everyone has it better than me. But notice verse 3. It all started there. When I saw, he's seeing with his eyes the prosperity and so forth. Can I give you a bit of advice? Just even right here. We're not yet at the answer to all this. But be careful to not always believe what you see. <laughs> We're going to see the true picture of all these people that we just look at and admire in a little bit. But there's a second reason why we can get tempted to question God's goodness and doubt His goodness and begin to fall away. Not only the prosperity of the ungodly, but this one I think is even stronger, especially for Christians. And it's the problems in our own personal lives that can tempt us about God's goodness and can tempt us to slip away from God. The things that hit us, like this whole series is about being hit between the eyes with things you never thought would happen. You get cancer, whatever it is. God, are you really good? Are you serious? You would do that to me? And, and the enemy just magnifies that. And we begin disting ourselves from God because we don't believe He's good anymore. And this happens all the time. What's going on? Look at my marriage or lack of marriage. My finances. My job. God, how could you allow that? Listen to what Asaph says, and I think you will see that we've been in the same place he is. He's just being so real. Uh, and I know you will say, yeah, you know, I've said things like that before too. Look at verse 13. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure. And I've washed my hands in innocence. I mean, this is all vain. Lord, I don't drink, smoke, or chew, or go out with the girls that do. <laughs> you didn't like that one, huh? I had to work on that one for a while. <laughs> but you get what I'm saying. It's like, wait a minute, I'm living a pure life. If, you know, to live a holy life in this sin-cursed world, Mark, I'm not sleeping with my girlfriend or boy, you know what I mean, boyfriend. Well, that's a sacrifice. Especially in this world, it says, go for it. But you're choosing to honor God? And you're like, what, what's the payoff here, God? Whoa! Lord, I go to church. I tithe. I've gone to the life transformation seminars and I'm living them out. You know? Hmm. My son, he has a deep psychological issue doctors can't even figure out. I'm living a godly life. I look at my child, doctors don't even know what his situation is. And look what's going on. My wife, 
She's unable to get pregnant. I lost my job. Are you really good, God? These are the things that are so real that the enemy will just magnify and, and he wants to erode our conviction in the goodness of God. Then this is what Asaph is saying. Look at verse 14. All day long I have been afflicted. And every morning brings new punishments. I wake up and I'm afflicted. Look at what's going on in my life. God, how can you be good? Isn't this what everyone says at your work? About why, why do you believe in God when all these things happen? Now, they forget that we live in a sin-cursed world, which is so easy to forget right now. We're going to get to the answer in a second. I'm just trying to build this whole... Uh, I'm trying to just preach what Asaph is sharing about his struggle of why he almost slipped away. He started to see the prosperity of the wicked. He saw his own demise as a believer. And he's like, how can God be good? Some of you may not know this. Uh, Tracy... Uh, has an, an, an older sister. And uh, in her family, her name, Tanya. So when Tanya was five years old, on Tracy's mother's birthday, her mother's, my mother-in-law, Shirley, uh, they went all shopping. They decided to go shopping. And they left uh, Tanya at home with uh, her uncle. And as they go out shopping for Shirley's birthday... I believe they're picking up a cake and everything to bring it back. By the time they got back to the house, they entered into the backyard and they found Tanya at the bottom of a swimming pool. Yeah, she died. And one day we're going to see Tanya in heaven. But I share this story with you. How is God good? Here you are, a believer following God. How is God good? The enemy will take that and he'll magnify it because he wants you to doubt the goodness of God because if he can do that, and guess what? There are a thousand stories and many of the You have your own story. We're going to let you share that in a second. I'm just trying to drill in and let you understand. We haven't looked at the answer yet. There's an answer. I mean, how do you avoid falling away? You need to understand how first people do fall away from God is because they begin to do the comparison game, look at how good everyone else has it who doesn't follow God, and they look at their own life and go, look at how bad I have it because I do follow God. And it's all a comparison thing, and they just begin to doubt God's goodness and they fall away. All right. So Asaph, he's really depressed. This is where he's at at, at this point in the psalm. Now, I, I just want, I want to jump right to stories on your, at your table. The discussion question here is, can you share about a time when you were tempted to question God's goodness? And I know there are so many stories here in this room. And you were close to slipping away because of the comparison game or, you know, just, can you talk about that in your life at your table or if you're watching on video in your small group? Take a moment, talk about that. Okay. Let's review, and then I, because I want to review and then get you ready for the answer, okay? So we as believers agree that God is good in His nature and He's good to those who follow Him. But there's times the enemy is sly and he can tempt us to doubt God's goodness. And he tempts us with the prosperity of the wicked that we see around us and also with the problems in our own life that just seem to be growing. 
We're trying to reconcile that. How is God good when all this is happening in my life? Um, so, how can we avoid falling into this temptation to question God's goodness and slip away from God? How do we deal with these questions when they assault us day in and day out? In other words, how can we avoid a spiritual slip? And Asaph tells us, and it's masterful. And by the way, why are you here? You are here. In other words, why are you here and others not here who have slipped away? Because I believe that you have worked through the temptations and whether you've put it in words or not, you have learned the lesson that Asaph is going to teach us. There's a conviction in your life that you have bought into the truth, the theological truth of what uh, Asaph is going to reveal right now, which is the answer that sustains you and keeps you from falling away. But we need to be reminded of this again and again and again. So let me put it in a principle and then we're going to teach on this for the rest of our time. The way to avoid a spiritual slip is to watch this. Draw near to God and experience a renewed perspective from God's point of view. The problem is we're starting to look at our situation from a worldly point of view, not a spiritual point of view. When we get tempted to drift from God, our greatest need is to draw near to God and receive a renewed perspective from God and begin looking at our world in a different way. In other words, we need to put on a pair of, watch this, look at me, spiritual glasses. We are looking right now, when the enemy tempts you, he begins to tempt you to look at your world through his point of view, which will cause you to doubt the goodness of God. You need to look at life through God's point of view with spiritual glasses so you get God's perspective, and then it all makes sense. You're like, of course, God, you're good. How could I ever doubt that? But we can doubt that because we're looking with a wrong perspective. Now, let me bring you into this slowly. If we try to resolve spiritual problems with natural thinking, we will fail every single time. If you try to get at the answer apart from God, you're going to get into trouble. Look at verse 16. This is Asaph. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply. Asaph is saying, when I tried to understand the prosperity of the wicked and my own problems, all on my own, apart from God, man, I got depressed, I was troubled. Why was Asaph deeply troubled? Because he's trying to figure out the prosperity of the wicked and his own personal problems all by himself, apart from God. He was leaving God out of the picture. It's impossible to resolve spiritual problems with humanistic, natural thinking apart from God. We overcome spiritual problems by drawing near to God and learning to see life, view life, interpret life from God's perspective. And then look at verse 17. This is, this is where the light shines. Till I entered the sanctuary of God. When I tried to understand this all on my own, I was troubled. Until I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood. Whoa. It's at this point, when Asaph finally enters the sanctuary of God, that he draws near to God, that the psalm transitions. This is the turning point in the psalm. This is the turning point in Asaph's life. This is the turning point, guess what, in your life as well. This is the point that my friend Jim never made it to. 
Jim never made it to the point of turning to God. He turned away from God, and now he sees life from a human point of view, and he's just getting further and further away from God. This is the point that Demas never made it to. Demas deserted God. He never drew near to God. And this is the point every atheist has never made it to. They have deserted God. They're trying to understand God in a natural humanistic point of view. You can't. You will come to that conclusion that God is not good, that God doesn't even exist. This is the point, though, that every believer who wants to avoid a spiritual slip must make it to. The key is to draw near to God, and in that drawing near to God, we experience the benefit of, watch this, a renewed supernatural perspective that God grants us. For, for so many of you, you experience this all the time. You don't see that it's supernatural, but it is. The fact that you are a believer who follows God and loves God despite the prosperity of the wicked and the difficulties you face says one thing. There is a supernatural God that gives you a, a, a theological perspective that grounds you. And it is a miracle. And you need to realize you are a miracle. Turn to your neighbor and just say, you are a miracle. It's true. And you continue to be a miracle as you continue to draw near to God and let God renew your perspective in that He is good despite what you see. And God gives you a peace about that. You don't realize what an anomaly you are to someone who doesn't know Christ. You don't even make sense. You're an oxymoron. Turn to your, you got to love this, turn to your neighbor and say, you're an oxymoron! <laughs> Please put the oxy in front of the last word. So as we draw near to God, He gives us this supernatural benefit of an understanding of His goodness and it sustains us. And you've got to see how this unfolds in Asaph's life. He's been so honest about his struggle and now he, he's honest about the revelation of God and, and how it just lifts his hearts out of this kind of place of depression. Three benefits of drawing near to God. Number one, drawing near to God renews our perspective on the final destiny of the ungodly. Now look at verses 17 to 20. So he's like, I tried to understand this all on my own, and guess what? I, I started to envy the prosperity of the wicked until I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. Ah! Surely, God, you placed them on slippery ground. This neighbor of mine who doesn't know Christ, he's on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. In time, this guy will come to eternal ruin if he continues to reject God. How suddenly are they destroyed? Completely swept away by terrors. Look at their bank account. Yeah, their stocks are going way through the roof. But guess what? They're going to be swept away. They are like a dream when one awakens. When you arise, Lord, you will, be despise, you will despise them as fantasies. You see, in verse 3, you know, Asaph envied the wicked. But now after he's met with God, his perspective is altered. And the, all, the ungodly now from his perspective don't look so enviable. <laughs> One commentator says this, quote, Asaph saw the future judgment of these people he thought were so successful. And he discovered that without God, what looks like success is just a mirage. There are so many celebrities we look up to. They have it made. We look at them and we see them portrayed on TV or on the internet. 
And we go, man, they've got popularity and money and success and power, yet their lives end so tragically, so suddenly as on a slippery slope. Elvis Presley, Marilyn Monroe, John Belushi, Frank Sinatra, Chris Farley, and the list goes on and on and on. And we can get, the enemy can dangle them, and they're people at your work. They're millionaires. You look up to them, and the enemy will get you to play the comparison game. Think about the eternal, com- eternal comparison game. Put on this and realize how good it is that you know God. You're going to heaven, and guess what? If they die, they're not. And that breaks our heart for them. But this is how we need to see the miracle of how good God is to us. When they, had, when they were alive, wow, they had it made. But this isn't the only life. We're just passing through this life. There's eternity. This life lasts for 100 years at the most. I don't know. Maybe more. But then there's eternity. Wow. we got to think about that. You know, um, we aren't seeing the whole picture. Sometimes when we're really envying the ungodly, we're just seeing one slice of the pie. The other slice of a pie is like a verse in Acts 17.31. For God has set a day when He will judge the world with justice by the man He has appointed. He has given proof of this by raising Him from the dead. Every human being is going to stand before God and give an account for their life. Whoa! And if you're in Christ, God has spared you from that moment. (laughs) Is God good or what? So when God comes back into the picture, Asaph puts on these glasses, and all of a sudden, things for his life start to improve. When we begin you know, to have our doubts and we question God's goodness, hey, just think about the destiny of those who don't know Christ. And then think about your life in comparison. You're going to realize, you're gonna, it's going to come into perspective, God, you are so good. Like Billy Graham said, the first thing he's going to ask God in heaven is, why me? Why, God, have you been so good to me? Why are you here? Why is God sustaining you? Why are you a miracle? Why are people out there denying, rejecting God? And if they continue that, they will go to hell for all eternity. Why are you and I God's children? We're going to be with Him for all. I don't even understand that. But I know one thing. God is good. And I just praise Him. Look at the second benefit of drawing near to God. Your perspective gets renewed. Drawing near to God renews our perspective on our own ignorance. You know, look at verses 22 and 23. This is what Asaph said. He goes, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, you know about the prosperity of the wicked and my own demise, I was senseless and ignorant. Asaph is saying, well, I almost slipped away from God. I mean, but how foolish. I was looking at life like an animal. Like a deranged animal. Like a rabid animal. You know, a while ago at our, at our house, we had the weirdest night. Like a, a war erupted outside. It was pitch black, so I couldn't hear. And it was like just an animal fight was like going hard. I'm like, what is going on? The next morning, I get up and I go outside on our back porch. Do I have a picture of it? This is it. A skunk and a possum fought to the death. They killed each other. And I just thought, you know, 
Asaph right here, you know what he's saying? He's saying, I almost lost my mind like two crazy animals in falling away from God because I started to doubt His goodness. This is how he is describing, watch this, you don't put on these glasses, you don't draw near to God in His Word and let His Word and His presence renew your perspective. Let me tell you, you will be as crazy as a couple rabid animals and you will doubt God's goodness and that may lead you to hell. That's called crazy. And this is what Asaph is saying. There are people you know right now, my heart breaks for them. They doubt the goodness of God. They're keeping themselves distant. From, they won't even want to touch God. want to come near Him. And it's like a crazy, rabid animal. And this is what Asaph is saying. Let me give you a third benefit of drawing near to God. Drawing near to God renews our perspective in God's goodness. Ultimately, we just come full circle and God just gives us a bath in His goodness as we draw near to Him. And this is just the supernatural thing that God does in our lives. Look at verses 23 to 28. This is just awesome. Yet, you know, it's like, again, verse 17, Tell I, I entered the sanctuary of God. I drew near to God. Then I understood. And he goes, he goes yet I'm always with you, Lord. I mean, he's, just, he's just talking about God's goodness. You hold me by my right hand. You're my heavenly Father. You guide me with your counsel. And after your words, you're going to take me into glory. Whom I have, have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail me, but God, you're the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all those who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. It is good for us to draw near to God and let Him transform our perspective on our life. And our, our eyes get back seeing God is good. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. And yes, he told of all his deeds in this very psalm. Wow. Asaph comes full circle. You know, when we draw near to God, I just, I just love this. The goodness of God's constant presence comes into view, like verse 23, I'm always with you. The goodness of God's continual guidance. Look at your life. How good God has been. How He's guided you. Yes, there's been times. Some of you right now are battling cancer. But God is guiding you through that. It's His goodness. I love the goodness of God in, 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 in that He satisfies our lives. We, you know, the world can't understand it. But you look at verse 25. Whom have I in heaven but you, Lord? Earth has nothing I desire beside you. Lord, you are my portion. You are full, complete, total satisfaction. Regardless of how the godless prosper or the difficulties that come to my life, you, Lord, you take me by the hand. You fill my life with your presence. And the strength God gives in verse 26, he's so good. Our flesh and our hearts at times fail us, but God is our strength, he's our portion. How do we avoid a spiritual slip? Draw near to God. Make God your refuge. Continue to do what you're doing in just drawing near to Him. You know, in the times that I've been tempted, and I'll just be honest with you, I've faced some difficult things just like you. In those times, 
when I'm tempted to doubt God's goodness, it's because I've kind of actually distanced myself from God. I turn to something different that the enemy is dangling before me, and that just makes it more, all the more difficult. But it's when I draw near to God, it's God hasn't moved, I've moved. But when I draw near to Him, it's like these glasses come on and I see my whole life in a completely different perspective, in a supernatural perspective, and this is what God does. And you may be here this morning, and maybe this message is just for you. You may have been slipping away from the Lord and God is using this to draw you back to Him, to renew your perspective. I love verse 16 and 17. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply because I was trying it all on my own until I entered the sanctuary of God, drew near to God. Then I understood. Wow. God shows you just the destiny of the ungodly. Not too good. He shows you just how ignorant you can be on your own. And then He shows you just how incredibly good He is. You know, I, I remember... Uh, when we were younger as a family, we would take all sorts of vacations to Yellowstone. Have you ever been to Yellowstone National Park? And Yellowstone is just awesome. And there's just all these awesome valleys and there's these like precipices and cliffs. And, you know, I love that stuff. I always like to get near the edge, you know. Tracy would stay in the car. And I'd take the boys with us, you know. We'd go to the edge and, and just look over. And I remember one time distinctively, uh, no one was going to go but Josh, who was our oldest. And he went with me. And I remember we got to the edge, and I'm like, and then his little hand came up and he just grabbed my hand. I didn't push him away. I, I took that hand and I held it as his daddy. You know, God is here for you to just reach your hand out. He'll take you. Don't drift away from him, drift to him. Let him completely renew your perspective in his goodness. Amen? He is good. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank You so much that You invite us daily to draw near to You. And Asaph, he kind of brings us through this life journey of his in this moment. And we see ourselves there. I see myself there, Lord. There's times I just... I know You're good deep down, but then I look at what's going on with others around me and play that comparison game. And then I look at times at what's happened in my own life and I get down and... That's human. It just is for all of us. Until everything turned in the psalm when we enter the sanctuary of God. When in our hearts it becomes a sanctuary and we say, Lord, just fill me with Your light again. Let me draw near to You. We come to that cliff and then we just reach out and God takes our hand. Lord, let us not fall away from You, but fall into You even this morning. Would you just take a moment and just fall into the arms of a loving God that is so good. Just come to Him in your heart this morning. Let God do His work in your life. He loves you. He is welcoming you back with such open arms. Take a moment talk to Him.